my goodness. Do we know how many are here yet? Everybody, 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 everywhere, all up in her. Right? There's a lot not here, you say. Yeah, fake and sick. Yeah. We need, a, we need a number. Yeah, I met, first of all, let me just thank you for your patience this morning as we tried to find seats, make seats, make room. I uh, felt like the innkeeper this morning. There was no room for you in the inn, right? Uh, we got a few seats right over yonder, and we got several right here on the floor. Maybe y'all just need to go ahead and come on up to the altar now. Uh, I see people on the front row who would give anything to not be on the front row. And uh, looking at you, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> And so I just appreciate you so much for being with us this morning. And just to reiterate a few things that Kristen said earlier, this will be our last service of 2023. And But man, what a great way to go out, right? We're all gathered together as one family. And um, it's so, I tell you, as, the, as a pastor and as a preacher, um, this is what you love right here. Uh, you may not love it as much, but I love it. I love, I love seeing you all together, and some of you have been coming to the same church for a whole year, and you just now realized it. Um, you didn't even know. You didn't even know, so just thank you so much for being here. I, um, I won't preach long this morning, and I actually mean it this time. I just want to take a few moments. The title of my message is The And Between. The and between, not the in between, but the and between. This is what Luke 1, 26 through 33 says. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, this isn't the point of my message, but it's very interesting to me that this is what the angel says to her, and the very first words of verse 29 are, Confused and disturbed. <laughs> confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? I think in her own heart, she knew that this was good news, but this wasn't easy news, right? We all want a word from the Lord, amen? But let me tell you something, oftentimes when he speaks to us, it's always good, but it's hardly ever easy. In fact, it's never easy, yeah. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. How many of you would like for an angel to appear from heaven to tell you that you found favor with the Lord? Amen? Yeah. Well, hold on. Verse 31 is coming. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and, we, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 31 is where I'm camping out for today. You will conceive and give birth. 
And like I said earlier, today I want to talk a little bit about the and between, specifically the and between conception and birth. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for this beautiful Christmas Eve that you've given us. God, as I get ready to preach, Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak from my heart, but Lord, even more so than that, to speak the words that you would have me speak with authenticity and humility, and most of all, obedience to you. Lord, that you would minister to us, that you would grow us, that you would challenge us, and that Christ in us would continue to be formed to maturity because of the work and the word that you've given us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And Lifehouse said, amen. amen. Yeah, we can clap for the word. Everybody's in a good mood today, and I love it. I, I'm telling you, this is my kind of day right here. I will not come off of this adrenaline high until sometime after New Year's, I bet. <laughs> in January 14th, 2012, anybody remember where they were that day? January 14th, 2012? You do. Yeah. I remember where I was. I was living in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, I was there for a whole year of my life. I refer to that uh, as the dark year. Um, above the Mason-Dixon line where snow was normal. We were at Lowe's. when we, we moved there in the summer, and I remember sometime around September going to Lowe's, and I saw for the first time in my life a snowblower. And I had no idea what it was. It looked like a tiller. If anybody, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I know what a tiller is. It looked like a, a deformed tiller. And, and I saw that snowblower, and I thought, what is this? And I was with someone else, and they said, oh, you just wait. You'll find out. And I did. But January 14th of 2012 was a cold and snowy day, uh, which, you know, living in Terre Haute was actually pretty common uh, for the weather during that time. Uh, the kids would only get out of school, not because it snowed, but because the windshield was below zero. And that happened a lot more than I was okay with. <laughs> Kristen calls me. I'm at the church working, and it's late at night. And she calls me. She's begging me to go ahead and come on home. She says, the weather's getting pretty bad. The roads are pretty covered. And she says, I need you to come home. I'm worried about you. So I get in my little Nissan Frontier pickup truck, two-wheel drive, not a great decision on those roads, but it worked. And I drive the uh, short drive to our two-bedroom apartment, little bitty apartment on the second story um, in Terre Haute. And as soon as I walk in, I'm greeted with an exceedingly long hug. And then she pulls back and she shows me a positive pregnancy test. She ain't even paying attention. You know she did? Yeah. She was there, sort of. The first words out of my mouth were not, yay, or hallelujah. The first word out of my mouth was, how? Unlike Mary, it was not the Holy Spirit's fault. <laughs> and I knew exactly how. <laughs> Within minutes, we were taking a selfie, holding the test, posting it on Facebook. If we can, do we have that? Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was, re I was informed uh, by all my generous Facebook friends, Drew, you're holding the wrong end. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's how we announced it to the world. I quickly went and washed my hands. You know, a lot of people find out they're expecting and they wait through the first trimester. We didn't even wait through the first hour uh, before we let everyone know. Over the next several months, as we were anxiously looking forward to our new baby, we experienced many challenges along the way. During her first trimester, Kristen lost 12 pounds due to all the time, every day, everywhere sickness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Morning sickness. Never heard of that. Every day, all the time, everywhere sickness. 12 pounds. Um, I, I didn't lose 12 pounds. Everything she lost, I gained. There was a Dairy Queen in walking distance from our apartment. We didn't have any health insurance at all. We had a very small, humble, meager income. I was a youth pastor, and Kristen was working as a teacher's aide. We also quickly discovered that applying for state-sponsored health care was very challenging and very difficult at that time in that area. We didn't know anything. We didn't know anybody. Things at my job at the church were, in, they were pretty rough, to be honest with you. We lived a long way from any family. The nearest family we had would have been in Nashville, Kristen's mom and dad. We had only lived in Indiana for a few months, and to be very truthful, we didn't really have any close friends. And many of you who are here this morning, in just the last year or a few years, you yourself have moved from another part of the country. And you know what it's like to be living in a new place with new roads and new cities and new people and no family. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Towards the middle of the summer, with Kristen being due that September, things at the church were just, to be very honest with you, falling apart. The environment was incredibly toxic. The pastor was struggling in a lot of different areas. The church itself was struggling in a lot of different areas. And towards the middle of the summer, I found myself unemployed. No job on the horizon. We had paid rent for the entirety of the next month, and as soon as that month was over, we knew that we would be homeless, no income, nowhere to go. I was ready to be done with ministry. And Kristen, if I can be very truthful with you, was sincerely worried that I was ready to be done with life because of feeling like such a failure I was even told by the pastor as I walked out of the church for my last time, he took me in his arms real close and he whispered in my ear that for the rest of your life, you will always be a failure at everything you do and everywhere you go. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have told you that part. It was over, a t it was 11 years ago, I'm okay now. You all showed up this morning, really made up for that. We packed up the U-Haul trailer, and as soon, and I mean sincerely, as soon as we 
closed the door knowing that the next day we would be heading to Nashville where we would be moving in to Kristen's parents' home. And can I just tell you, as a 27, 28-year-old, 27-year-old at the time, man, that was a bad feeling, knowing that here we were, and I'd failed, knowing that I have a baby on the way, and she's going to be born to a father who is also a failure. But as soon as we closed the U-Haul doors, I got a call from a church in Sweetwater, Tennessee, about 60-minute drive south of here, where a kind pastor with very little knowledge of me or who I was offered me a job. He said, when can you start? And I said, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> he was expecting me to come within the month. I was expecting to be there within the day. <laughs> Upon arriving in Sweetwater, I rented, I, 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 I rented a very small old home. It was built in 1908. Rent was $500. Uh, on the drive down there, as I'm driving a U-Haul, I'm looking through the classifieds on my phone, and I, I found this apartment for rent. I had the owner meet me there. Uh, I signed the lease uh, as soon as I walked into the kitchen before I looked at the rest of the house. And by the way, Kristen wasn't even with me. She was still in Indiana for one last doctor's appointment before we moved to Tennessee. After I signed the lease, I began to look around the house, and I discovered it only has five electrical outlets in the whole house. There's no air conditioning, and it's July, by the way. There was no window units or anything. Uh, and I soon discovered that every time it rained, the basement would flood up to my knees. And that is not an exaggeration. I, and I know I'm not a tall guy, but this is still a lot of water. We also soon discovered that getting health care and finding, an, uh, finding a new doctor in a new state while seven months pregnant proved to be a whole new challenge within itself. Some of you can relate to that as well. On September 10th of 2012, Kristen goes to what we assume to be a routine checkup. I, I think it was really only her second visit with this doctor maybe because of the time that it took us to find a doctor who would accept our, our insurance and getting insurance set up. And so she goes into this appointment thinking that, you know, we're going to find out that our, our child will be born sometime in late September, only to be told that the baby has lost a significant amount of weight in just the last week, and that because of this, we have to induce pregnancy immediately because the baby's losing weight. Kristen calls me, and she's in Cleveland, Tennessee, because we had went to college in Cleveland, Tennessee, we didn't know Sweetwater. We didn't know Knoxville that well at the time, but we knew Cleveland. So our doctor's appointments were in Cleveland. So she calls me from Cleveland as she's driving back home to Sweetwater to tell me to go home, to pack up, and that we're going to the hospital that night because the baby has lost a significant amount of weight and they're worried for her health, for the baby's health. So she comes home and in a panic, we pack thinking and expecting, but hoping not for the worst. We get to the hospital that night where they begin inducing pregnancy with the Pitocin and all the things. It was a terribly difficult night for me as I had to sleep in that recliner <laughs> while she 
Well, she, yeah, it wasn't even sleep, right? Kristen had a bed. Yeah, she was having contractions, but at least she had a bed, right? <laughs> it's going to be a great Christmas at the Moorhead house. At 2.03 p.m. on Tuesday, September 11, 2012, Olivia Drew Moorhead came into this world weighing a whopping seven pounds, one ounce. One pound more than was... And there she is right now, over there. <laughs> Weighing one pound more than the ultrasound said she did. What do they know? Why am I telling this story? Well, I'm telling this story to illustrate the fact that a lot happens between conception and birth. There's a lot more to the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus than is recorded in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. You see, between conception and birth, for us, there were a lot of good times. There were a lot of hard times. Between the moment we found out we were pregnant until the moment Olivia was born. But, despite what the ultrasound said, Olivia kept growing Regardless, she kept developing inside her mother's womb, no matter if we were jobless and homeless or if we were starting over and celebrating a new beginning. Not all that different than Mary, Jesus has been conceived in you as well. If, if he is Lord and Savior of your life. I don't mean that you're going to have a baby, although trends dictate at this church that in the next year you probably will. <laughs> There's a lot more in the Oak Ridge water than radiation and mercury. I'm just saying. <laughs> what I mean, to, to quote my kids as they explain what it means to be a Christian, is that Jesus lives in you. Or Paul himself tells the church in Colossae, in Colossians 1.27, Christ lives in you. And, and, and some days will be great, right? You'll do the right things. You'll, you'll say the right things. Things will go your way. Uh, the green lights will line up on the turnpike miraculously, even though whatever software is controlling them things is not designed for that to happen. Right? You'll feel on top of the world. You'll get up in the morning and you'll read your Bible. You'll pray. You'll share your faith with your friends, with your coworkers. Some days will be amazing. Some days won't, though. Some days you're going to fail. You're going to have planned to read your Bible, but you're going to have slept in, right, because of something else going on in your life. You're, you're going to do the wrong things. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going you're to find out that things don't always go your way. Even when you try to do the right thing, you're going to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're going to possibly fall into old patterns of thinking and maybe give way to old addictions that you thought you had conquered. But Jesus in you continues to grow on your bad days just as much as he does on your good days. 
And as you live in the end between, I want you to know this morning that he continues to grow in you when you fail and when you succeed just the same. As you are living in the end between the, the, the moment of conception, whenever it was you gave your life to Christ, and that day when you see him face to face, that he continues to grow in you when you screw it up. Can I say that in church? And when you get it right, just the same. He is continuing to grow in you when you face heartbreak and tragedy. He's continuing to grow in you when you experience joy and victory. When you lose, he grows. When you win, he grows. And because Mary chose to cherish that which was conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. Because of her obedience despite her fear. Because of her choice to say yes when every rational and logic, logical thought in her mind told her to say no. We too have been given Christ who in each of us is continuing to be formed in us as we mature in who he's called us to be. You see, we are living in the and between, between the moment of conception and the moment of celebration. Between the moment when we find out the good news and the moment when we see and understand who we really are in Christ. You see, we're living today in the preparation, not the destination. We're living in the end between. But one day, Paul tells the church at Corinth, one day, he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but one day, face to face. He says, now I only know in part but one day, even, he says, one day, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. One day, all the things that have been hidden for me, one day, all the things that I don't quite understand, I can see like a, like a dim reflection. I can see something like I'm looking through a glass and I can see shapes and I can see motion on the other side. One day, all of the things that I don't understand that the Lord is doing in me, they will be revealed and I will see Him as He has always seen me, fully and completely known. One day. And so, I told you it's going to be short. I didn't lie, did I? As we celebrate on this Christmas Eve, as we look forward to a new year, and, you know, when it's all said and done, really, all January 1st is as a day on the calendar. What, what changes, it, changes it is what we choose to do with it. But can I just go ahead and tell you, you don't have to wait until January 1st to begin again. You don't have to wait until the clock strikes midnight 
on January 1st, 2024, to resolve in your heart that I belong to Christ and Christ belongs to me. You can make up your mind right now the way Mary did. She looked at the angel in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, and she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And you can make that decision today in this moment. No altar call or nothing. You can make that decision in your seat that, Lord, I know that you have put something in me. And I know that I'm going to have good days where everything goes according to plan. But I also know I'm going to have bad days when I mess it up. But, Lord, your work in me is not stopped by my mistakes. And so you can make up your mind right now that your whole heart, your whole life, your whole mind, your whole being, that you would give it to the Lord as the Lord has given himself to you and say to him, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Because right now, we're living in the in-between. We've been given a promise that one day we will walk into eternity and that we will celebrate the goodness of God together in a place best described as paradise. But right now, we know we're not living in paradise, right? Right now, we have sickness. If you're a member of Lifehouse Church, you know we've had sickness, right? Right now, we have pain. Right now, we have problems. Right now, we live in a broken world led by broken people and broken governments. But the promise of Scripture says that the government will be upon his shoulder. I haven't seen it come into fruition yet, but that's the promise while I'm living in the in-between. Right? And so we can make up our mind right now in the preparation that Jesus, whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to do through me, whatever you want to do for me, let it be to me according to your word. I'm your servant. Amen. 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 I want to invite you to stand once again. And just for the sake of someone in the room who is struggling right now with a decision, I want to ask if I can, the entire congregation, if you would, to close your eyes and to bow your head for just a moment. If you're in this room today and you're not necessarily sure that Christ lives in you. You might be saying, preacher, that sounds great, but I'm, I'm struggling to believe that he's even in there. Maybe you have never accepted him. Maybe you have, but you know your life does not match your commitment. And you feel far from the Lord this morning on this Christmas Eve day. But you would say, you know what? Today's a new day. It's a new beginning. I want to invite Jesus into my life to change me and to make me his own. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is your prayer, if that is the cry of your heart today, just right where you are, would you lift your hand high in the air? I see you, friend. Is there anyone else in the room, anyone else who feels far from the Lord, but would say today, I want to commit my life to him? 
I see you, buddy. I see you, man. Several all across the room. Lifehouse, can we pray this together? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. I invite you into my life. Please forgive me of my sin and make me a new creation. I want to live my life for you every day, starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate these several that lifted hands? We're going to sing one more song. It's Oh Come All You Faithful, right? So, if you are one of the faithful, I want you to remember that this is not just a Christmas carol that we sing, but this is a song of worship and commitment to our King and to our Lord. Amen.